God, we thank you that your word is indeed alive. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would be poured out even now, that as I proclaim your word, that you would speak through me. And as that we all hear, that you would speak to each heart and mind and open ourselves, open our hearts and minds, Lord, to hear what it is you have to say to us. Speak, O Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. Friends, I believe that one of the most essential things every Christian and every church needs is courage. Courage. Show me a Christian who is courageous and I'll show you someone who is unstoppable. Show me a church that's filled with holy courage and I will show you a church that is making an impact for Christ. Now, unfortunately, it's very easy for us weak human beings to lose courage. And when I was 18 years old, right after I graduated high school, I was a, a small group leader for junior high boys uh, in my church's youth group. And the youth group decided to go to Cedar Point, uh, which if you don't know, is a amusement park that has literally some of the largest, mo like most fast roller coasters in the world. And so it was super exciting. And I was a little nervous though, because there was these two rides, the Millennium Force and the Top Thrill Dragster, which kind of scared me. And the top thrill dragster goes 400 feet up into the straight up into the air and comes back down. And uh, my junior high boys, they were they were so excited. They were like, "Oh, we're going to Cedar Point. We're going to go on all these big rides." And I'm sitting over here, kind of nervous. And so, but, I, but I'm trying to psych myself up. Like I, I can't let myself down with these junior high kids. I got to go on these rides with them. So we we get to Cedar Point and we're going all the rides and we're, we're walking up to the Millennium Forest and I'm 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 trying to psych myself up. Like I I got to come through for these these junior high kids. I can't look stupid. And uh, we get up to the ride and I see this tall hill going up, 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 way up where I couldn't even like, see the top of this ride. Okay, that, that was a little uh, blemish there. Uh, but, <laughs> but when I saw that ride, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I'm not proud of it. I chickened out, I chickened out. I was like, I'll catch you guys, I'll catch you guys after the ride. I had a little bit of fear heights at this point in my life. So I decided not to go on the ride and I let them go on and I had them meet me after, after they had a good time. You know, friends, when fear sets in, when you see how big the problem you have, when you see that this big obstacle in front of you, it's so easy to lose courage, to let fear grow, to let anxiety and worry grow. It's very easy to worry, isn't it? Anybody else struggle with worry? You know, in the church, faces a number of issues that we can worry about, and many more challenges are to come. And uh, as we continue our sermon series through the book of Acts, I'll be honest, I, I'm struggling with a lot of fears myself. One of the fears that I have is that the church today, that we can't or we won't ever live up to the example that was left for us in the book of Acts. I fear that maybe even preaching this series to you that you'll be discouraged because you'll see the example that's left for us. I fear that we won't live up to our calling. Sometimes I fear that we will fail. Sometimes I fear that the polarization in our world could tear us apart. Sometimes I fear that the fire of the church could be put out by how much we fear opposition or criticism or even each other. And sometimes I fear maybe we just can't do this. Maybe this is too hard. The problems and challenges we face are just too big. So I want you to know, friends, that I'm preaching to myself today and I'm preaching to all of you that my hope for you and for myself is that today we would be set free from fear in Jesus' name. I believe that's possible. 
Because 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So if today, if you find yourself living in a prison of fear, maybe you're afraid of what might happen to you or what people might do or think, I want you to know that God did not give you that spirit. God did not give you that. That's not from God. God's spirit who has been poured out on the church fills us with power, love, and sound judgment. Power to overcome the harshest obstacles you might be facing. Love to love those who mistreat us and disagree with us. Sound judgment to navigate our way through the thorny issues of our day. Ultimately, I think fear comes from a faulty perspective. It makes our problems bigger than they actually are, and it makes them bigger than God. It gives them power they don't really have. And on the other hand, I want you to catch this. Courage comes from knowing Christ loves me, Christ empowers me, Christ is with me. Friends, I want you to live courageously because Christ loves you. Christ empowers you and Christ is with you wherever you go. Now in Acts chapter four, and I invite you to turn there with me, where that's our text for this morning, Acts chapter four, pull it up on your phones if you'd like. And in this chapter, we see the early church who deeply knew these truths and they demonstrated holy courage in the most trying of circumstances. And you remember how last week we talked about Peter and John healing the lame man at the temple and that sparked another sermon by Peter. Now, what Peter was saying about Jesus, this was deeply disturbing to the religious authorities. And then it says in verse three, they seized Peter and John because it was evening and they put them in jail until the next day. Now, I wonder what were they thinking when they were sitting in jail overnight? And maybe they started thinking, I wonder how long I'm gonna be here. Now, they didn't know. Or I wonder if I'll get flogged or beaten or killed. What's, what's gonna happen to me? And in verse five and six, it says, the next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest was there, so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. Now, this should kind of give you uh, some clues here to what's going on, because you just read some names, Annas and Caiaphas. These are the same dudes. These are the same guys who were responsible for arresting Jesus and sending him to the cross. The same guys. And so I have to wonder that when John and Peter walk into this room, and they probably already knew it was these guys, that they begin to think, gosh, what if what happened to Jesus happens to me? He didn't get a fair trial. What if they flog us like he was flogged? What if they get out those whips? What if they make another crown of thorns? What if we are forced to carry a wooden cross to Golgotha? What if the nails go through my hands and my feet? And then in verse seven, it says, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Remember, just two months ago, Peter was confronted with a similar question. Oh, don't you know this man? You're one of, the, you're one of them. And he denied even knowing Jesus at all three times. So this is the moment. Would Peter let fear win again? 
at the risk of his own life, could he admit, yes, I did this because of Jesus? And the reality is, I don't think any one of us could have the courage we need by ourselves in a situation like this. But remember in the gospels, Jesus promised that his disciples would not have to fear when they were brought to a trial like this because the Holy Spirit would give them the words to say. They wouldn't even have to prepare for it because God the Holy Spirit would come and, and tell them what to do. And that's exactly what happens. Verse 8, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit and he proclaims Christ. I'm going to pause there because, friends, through the Holy Spirit's power, I believe we are filled we can be filled with all the courage we need. And I wanna point out five ways from this text that the early church got received courage from the Holy Spirit. And the first way is this, they had courage to proclaim Jesus as the only way of salvation. Courage to proclaim Jesus as the only way of salvation. And Peter is incredibly bold here. Not only does he admit that he is uh, that, he, uh, that Jesus gave him this power and authority to do this, he also confronts the sin of these leaders for sending Jesus to the cross. In verse 10, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, uh, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. In verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So he confronts the leaders. You sent Jesus to be crucified. And by the way, salvation is found in no one else, no name under, under heaven. Now there's no other name under heaven. Now under heaven, that's earth. There's no other name in all of creation by which we can be saved. There's no other name or place or authority which can grant salvation unto human beings. And so this is a confrontation with these religious leaders. In some ways, Peter is implying, well, it's not through you. It's not through your religious system. It's not through that temple over there by which you offer the sacrifices. It's not through any of this religious system. It's not through being a Sadducee or a Pharisee or a devout Jew or a follower of just any rabbi. It's found through Jesus alone. And as this message spread out from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, uh, it was considered foolish by the, the surrounding culture because it was saying all these, these local gods, these sacrifices that, that you make, and even the emperor, these cannot grant you salvation. These are now null and void because of Jesus Christ. So this was a radical message that could have no rivals. And it was just as exclusive sounding and foolish sounding then as it is to people today. And the only way, friends, that you will have the courage to proclaim Jesus as savior is if you really know and believe who Christ Jesus really is. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus of Nazareth? Who is he to you? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He is the, Paul says he is the one mediator between God and mankind. He's the man, Christ Jesus. Anybody believe that out there today? Proclaiming Jesus is the only name by which we must be saved is simply a, a fact based on who we believe Jesus is. It's like saying oxygen is the one thing keeping you breathing right now, or gravity is the only thing that's keeping you tied to this ground right now. These are things that we can proclaim simply because we are convinced that they are absolutely true. 
And so when we say that Jesus alone is the way to salvation, we're, we're saying that we are convinced of that because we know he is the one savior of the whole world because he is the only one who went to the cross. He is the only one who rose again. He is the only one who has ascended to heaven and pleads for us at the right hand of the Father. It's through him alone that we can find salvation. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way that you'll have the courage to proclaim that to others is to really know Christ yourself. Do you know him? Do you love him? We need to know that he loves us, that he's with us, and that he empowers us. And we need to know that he has saved us and that he can save others too, amen? So the early church, they had courage to proclaim that Jesus was the only way of salvation. The second way that they had courage is they had courage to serve in spite of weaknesses. And you can maybe put weaknesses in quotes there. <laughs> courage to serve in spite of weaknesses. I think this is one of the great verses in the book of Acts, Acts 4.13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, these leaders, they were so astonished, they thought that they were going to have Peter and John cower in fear and just stop talking about Jesus. They said, who are these guys? They have so much boldness, and they have no formal training. They didn't go to rabbi school. They don't follow any, any of our, uh, they're not a, a, a religious sects. They're not a, a Sadducee or a Pharisee. And I want to point out that I don't believe that this is somehow an indictment on formal uh, education because Peter and John had a different type of education that they didn't know about. They had spent three years with the master and he had taught them how to interpret the scriptures as well. But what they, the leaders took notice of most is how courageous they were. Peter and John had no powerful position in society, no formal education or training, no official status, no wealth, all these kinds of weaknesses in the eyes of the world. They're just fishermen, ordinary dudes. And here they are confronting the most powerful people in their society who have the power to kill them in their hands and they don't shrink back. They had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. And that gave them all the courage they needed. And I wanna ask you this morning, have you ever thought that you were underqualified? Have you ever thought that, gosh, maybe I don't have what it takes. Maybe I don't have what it takes to do the job that God's put me in for the calling I've received. Maybe I don't have what it takes to be a good father or mother or spouse that God's called me to do. Maybe I don't have what it takes to do all that God has placed in my life. And we like to say in our church that every member is a minister. We want everybody to be serving in a substantial way. And perhaps you thought, yeah, right. I don't have anything of value to offer anybody else. You fear you don't have what it takes. But John and Peter, they knew, oh, if I know Christ, that's enough. If I know Christ and Christ is with me, Christ empowers me, then that is enough. And if Christ loves you and is with you and empowers you, then friends, take courage, step out. You do have what it takes because you have Christ with you. And Christ in you is stronger than anything outside of you. And you'll find that as you step out anyway, you will find that it's even in your weaknesses and maybe perhaps because of them that Christ is going to work so powerfully through you in our weaknesses. He is strong. That's number two. Number three, the church had courage 
to keep sharing Christ despite opposition. They had courage to keep sharing despite opposition. Verse 18 says, They called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And I think verse 20 is the, is the key. We can't help it. We can't help it. We know him. We've experienced him. We can't help but do this. Because if you know that Christ loves you and he's empowering you, then you can't help but continue to keep going in spite of opposition or criticism or even persecution. And I love how Peter has totally turned the tables on these guys. They brought them in to be their judges and put a stop to them. But now Peter is turning the tables and now he's saying, no, you're the ones who sent Jesus to his death and you need to decide which, which is right, to listen to you or to God. Peter has totally flipped the tables on these guys. And saying this stuff literally could have gotten him killed. You know, as I was reading this text and preparing for this sermon, I was wondering, what would I do? What would I do if I was brought to this trial? Gosh, I know I would need power and help and strength beyond my own. Because it would be terrifying if you think about it. William Barclay says, when Achilles, the great warrior of the Greeks, was told that if he went out to battle, he would surely die, he answered in the immortal sentence, nevertheless, I am for going on. And Peter, in this moment, he knew the danger. He knew the peril. He knew the consequences of his response. And he said, nevertheless, I am for going on because Christ gave him the power through the Holy Spirit to give him this courage. And the reality is no one of us could fare without God's help in this extreme situation. And, but I think the reality is, and, I, and that, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I don't know about it, but I don't think any of, any of us have faced a situation that's extreme as this. But we do face a world that's not very open to the idea that Jesus is the only way of salvation. We do live in a world that's not very open to the truths of Christianity. And we may shrink back from sharing Jesus simply with people we know, our friends, neighbors, or family members, uh, because we fear what they might think, or we fear being condemned, or we fear the judgment of the world. And no, friend, people, people will say and they can say all kinds of things. Do not fear what they, they will say. Do not fear what they will think. What can anyone really do to you? What can anyone really do? They cannot ultimately harm you. Psalm 27 says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? Or in the immortal words of DC Talk, what will people think if they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do if they find that it's true? I don't really care if they label me a Jesus freak. There ain't no disguising the truth. Woo, woo, woo. Woo. I'll be honest with you, I was really nervous to do that. <laughs> I was really scared what you might think. Man, Pastor Nate needs some voice lessons. Woo, it's a good thing he's not our worship leader. Amen. Oh, that was scary. What will people think? I don't care. And maybe there's someone who thought, man, I, I, they really need to hear the gospel. They really need to hear about Jesus, but you've been scared to share. Friends, it's time to stop being afraid. 
God is with you. Christ is with you. The Spirit is with you. There's no disguising the truth. We aren't responsible for how people will respond, but we are responsible for sharing Christ. We do our part, and we do it because we can't help it because Jesus has saved us. We know he loves us. We know he's empowering us, and we trust God with the results. We trust him with the results. Whether they respond positively, with indifference, or with animosity, we are responsible just to share, and we trust God with what happens. So take courage, friends. The fourth way that the early church had courage is they had courage to pray boldly. In verse 23, it says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Now, I think this is, this is very interesting. You know, this is like, let's, let's say this did happen to me, and I was put in prison for the sake of the gospel, and I come back to church, and I say, Hey, Faith Covenant, I'm just reporting to you that uh, I was arrested for sharing the gospel in Wheaton. And uh, it's a very da dangerous situation. And uh, the most powerful people uh, in our society are now after us. What would your reaction be? You know, maybe we should lay low for a little while. Maybe we should move this service inside, Pastor Nate, and just, just lay low for a little while. Maybe nobody should see us right now. Uh, but the early church, their instinct was prayer. Their instinct was prayer because they know that through prayer, we open ourselves up to receive the power, boldness, and courage of the Holy Spirit. And so think about what would you pray at this prayer meeting? What would you pray? Lord, thanks that Pastor Nate had nothing bad happen to him. Uh, we just pray that you'd protect him. We pray that this would never, ever happen again. Uh, we pray that you, there'd be more openness that we can get in our society, that this, we wouldn't be so condemned for what we're preaching. You know, what would, what would you pray? Look what they prayed. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, I love the realism combined with bold faith in this prayer, because it's not a prayer that just ignores what's going on. It says, Lord, consider their threats. Lord, take notice of all that is going on, all of the challenges that we're facing. Look how dire this is, Lord. But Lord, enable us. Give us boldness to keep speaking about the name of Jesus. Give us boldness to keep going on. Gosh, isn't that what got them in trouble in the first place, was doing this? And they're praying, Lord, give us boldness to keep going. Friends, don't we often try that we pray to get out of the situations we're in? Lord, get me out of this. I'm tired of this. And perhaps we need to start praying, Lord, give me boldness to keep going. Lord, give me the strength to face the problems I'm facing. Lord, give me the strength to keep loving my spouse no matter what. Lord, give me the strength to deal with this person at work. Lord, give me the strength to share Christ when I'm afraid. We, we need to pray for boldness. Sometimes we need to stop praying for God to get, a, get us out of our problems, but say, God, help me to get through the problems I'm facing. Have you ever prayed for boldness to represent Jesus? Have you ever prayed that God would give you boldness in sharing his name? I'm convinced that that's a prayer we need to say maybe daily, daily. Lord, give me boldness to represent you at work or at this meeting I'm going to with my family. And when we pray, friends, remember the power of the one to whom we pray. He can do more than all we ask or imagine. And finally, the early church, they had courage to give sacrificially. 
at the end of chapter 4, Luke closes with another one of his summary statements. And it's all about how the, believer, the believers were not considering anything their own, but sharing everything they had. And verse 33 says, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Can you imagine selling land you own or a house you own and just giving it to, giving it to God, just giving it to the church? Or can you imagine giving the value of a home or land or property and just, just, giving, it, just giving it to the Lord, just giving it to the church, do, give it to whoever who needs it. And some of you can because you've, you've given that way. But it's not about the amount of money that's given here. It's about the courage to give sacrificially. And you can only give like that when God's grace and his spirit so empower you to do it. You can only give like that when you believe that God is going to meet all your needs. You can only give like that when you're not worried about the future, when you're not worried about what's gonna happen to you because you know that God's gonna take care of you. And when you give like that, you're showing God immense faith in him. Because you're saying, Lord, I have the faith that you're gonna provide for me. And you're showing boldness that you believe that storing up treasure in heaven, which you cannot see, is more important than storing up treasures on earth. That takes boldness. That takes courage. And when you do that, you truly believe what Jim Elliott said. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So friends, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the early church was not given a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, sound judgment. And so we too, we can experience this courage because we, we know and we believe Christ loves us, Christ empowers us, Christ is with us. So we can be courageous to proclaim Jesus is the one way of salvation. We can, we can serve in spite of our apparent weaknesses. We can keep sharing Christ despite opposition. We can pray boldly and see God answer prayer. And we can give sacrificially because we believe God will provide. And some of you today, you might be allowing the enemy to get you on this. You've been living in worry or anxiety or fear over what might happen to you or people might think. You're afraid to share the gospel or you're afraid to use your gifts or to give sacrificially. And I just want you to be set free. I want you to be set free today. And I just wanna ask, what are you afraid of right now? What are you afraid of right now? What situation are you in where you need the courage of the Holy Spirit. Now, several years later, after my trip to Cedar Point, I decided that I wanted to go back because I was so ashamed for not going on these two rides. So actually, I uh, invited Laura to come with me when we were dating. And uh, so we went back to Cedar Point and I went on those two roller coasters to the glory of God. <laughs> but friends, Laura was not gonna let me chicken out. I brought her all the way to Ohio there was no way we were leaving that amusement park without going on those two rides. And sometimes all that matters is who's with you. She was with me, she wasn't gonna let me off the hook. And she gave me some courage to go on those rides. In the same way, friends, Christ is with you. Christ is with you. Christ is empowering you. And, and Christ is stronger than anything you might be facing. And remember the words in Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
Jesus is with you. Be strong. Be courageous. There are challenges you're facing. There are things that, that obstacles that seem so insurmountable and might give you fear. But Christ is in you. He loves you. He is for you. And he will empower you. So be bold. Be bold to face those situations. Be bold to share the gospel. And trust Christ with whatever happens.